You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz, I'm the Deputy Editor for Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have Gary Phillips, our Associate Editor. How are we doing? We're doing good, and we have Pete Gurgley from Yankees On Demand. Pete, what's your actual title? I don't even know. My title is Assistant Director of Productions for Yankees Productions. Okay, so I just lied about the Yankees On Demand thing, but... It's all intertwined together. Yankees Productions, Yankees On Demand, it's... It's a full-service production unit. Nice. And the reason we uh, want to talk to Pete today is because Pete is back from a very quick, very intense trip to London. Cheers. Cheers, indeed. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the things that Pete saw over there. And then we're going to break down a little bit of the Yankees All-Star selections who will be heading to Cleveland next week. Gary and I will talk about that. But let's get going right off the bat. You know, I mean, this was a long time coming, this trip. And it's kind of one of those things that was circled the second we heard about it. And it just seemed kind of out there. And all of a sudden, you know, you're on the plane, you're there, the games are happening. Eventually the first inning ends. And, uh, you know, what was the whole experience like for you? It was interesting. It makes sense that MLB's first go at it would be the Yankees Red Sox. And it might sound self-serving, but, you know, I'm sure people all over the league know that Yankees Red Sox are a big draw. And if you're going to showcase the game internationally in Europe, it should be those two teams. So, you know, for us, there was a lot of not knowing what to expect and the fan reaction when we got there, the fan reaction when you're getting to the hotel. For a lot of us that travel with a team sometimes, you know there's a big fan base at visiting road hotels. There wasn't a ton of that. There was some fans there, but it wasn't until we got to the ballpark where you realized how thirsty these fans, whether they were travelers from the States or local Londoners, I guess, or, or locals from England that were pumped about it. But overall, I thought the fan reaction was outstanding and it made it really exciting one thing that we heard over the weekend uh gary and i were back here in the states one thing that we heard was an estimate that 70 percent of the tickets were bought in the uk versus 30 percent in the u.s so you figure you know even if we get rid of the expats let's say 60 percent, you know uk fans pete you've obviously filmed a lot of postseason games here a lot of big yankees red sox games here what was different about what you heard and saw from the fans during the games this past weekend well to address those numbers we had a very small sample size but we waited to the last day to get our fan interviews they had a fan experience outside the stadium and we got about 12 interviews with fans 11 of those were local people from london or the outer areas that's awesome. one was uh u.s we'd approach them randomly so there's a small sample size but that shows you that you're what you heard was correct the crowd was different in the fact that they were learning about a lot of the traditions of the game as it was going along one thing i noticed off the bat was how pumped these fans were for a foul ball and that's not uncommon here but if you were there and you saw every time a ball went to a certain section they went nuts for that ball and then i heard that in cricket they throw it back. Throw it back. 
So after the first two innings of the first game, when the fans realized it's a souvenir, it was mayhem. Every time a ball went into the general area, about four seconds around that, would lose their minds about the ball. So that was my first reaction. Um, then you have all your little interactive games. They brought in some elements of Red Sox in-game show and our in-game show. They did the YMCA grounds crew. They did uh, Sweet Caroline for the Red Sox. And all the fans loved it. As far as I could see, all of it. Sweet Caroline, it wasn't just Red Sox fans singing it. The entire crowd sang it. The Yankees fans in jerseys, pinstripe jerseys, singing it. You would never see that. You wouldn't see that in the States here. So there were some quirks that the UK, UK fans didn't necessarily know were Yankees versus Red Sox. But I think they all embraced every bit of it. And it was a lot of fun to watch. You said you talked to some of the fans after that first game. Um, what was the reaction after the games had passed? Now, was it were, were they excited about what they had just seen? Because those were some crazy games, especially the first one. A lot of offense, not necessarily you know, your typical baseball game. Yeah, I I was down in the field at the camera well shooting the first game, and I was wondering. I'm like, these runs are a good thing, but the length is not. So I was curious what the reaction was too, right? Was going to be like? I didn't hear one negative comment about the length of the game on uh, Saturday. But what I heard was how much they love, not just, they loved, I said, why do you love baseball? You're here and I'm sure it's a hard sale to some of your friends that are more traditional European sports fans. I said, what do you like most about this game? They're like, it's it's the experience. It's it's what we say as Americans. We like, it's not football. It's not basketball or hockey. You go, You come to a baseball game to watch the game, but you also come for a social experience. You talk, you you know, you get you get hot dog, you get a beer, and you're, it's more of a relaxed sports viewing scenario. And I think that's what a lot of the Europeans like about the game too. It's it's more of a it's about hanging with friends, watching your team play, but also enjoying everything around baseball games. The mid inning interactive videos and and the character races, as you probably all saw, they had the Lactus Monster versus Henry the Eighth versus Freddie Mercury, and who was the last guy? Winston Churchill. Yeah, Winston Churchill. <laughs> So again, I think it's all those elements of a, the American baseball game that were included that I think they most liked about the experience. Would you say that when you were speaking to the fans that they showed any kind of like knowledge of the game, or was it really just the idea of, you know, I mean, what I equated to, and I mentioned to someone, was, you know, every year there's bullfighting at Madison Square Garden, and that doesn't mean that it's just, you know, people from rodeo or flyover states or whatever who are going to the rodeo at Madison Square Garden. It's a lot of people who are just like, this is a fun, novel thing to go. Let's go see it. You know, I don't think that if I were to go to a PBR event like that at Madison Square Garden, I would immediately learn all of the intricacies of the sport, but I'd probably have fun. Is that the sense you got? I think it was a wide range. Uh You had people that, and this is only from my experience talking to them the next day, that some a lot of the younger kids were super knowledgeable about, about the baseball game as far as rules, balls and strikes, um, all the small things we know here, even down to stats like WHIP and um, ERA+. Plus. Some kids knew that. Some of the older adults, even the, these same kids' parents, they liked the game and they liked the experience. They didn't necessarily know why, why guys were stealing bases mm-hmm. or what a double play even is. But they they like the experience and they like the atmosphere surrounding the event. So I think the short answer is there was a wide range. You know, you you saw the first in a sense. You know, they're going up again next year with Cubs and Cardinals, and 
I'll, I'll even push back on you a little bit because you said, you know, it's natural that MLB would want to send its best. Well, the NFL sends the Jaguars every year. So it's not that natural. It's pretty impressive, I think, that MLB decided to say, we're doing this and we're doing it all in. So you have two of the biggest rivalries in baseball going in years one and two. You know, obviously they were wearing, you know, their finest clothes and they were dressed up their best. But what do you, what do you think, like, in terms of the things that you saw, the way things worked, what, what, what impressed you with just the whole infrastructure over there? That's funny because I, I worked for the Dolphins for the first ever NFL <laughs> game in London. And I remember, this is 2008, I think, or seven, how packed the stadium was. And you saw every jersey imaginable within the NFL. You didn't see that this time so much because I think the Yankees and Red Sox are a huge draw. and They're big enough. Fans of each team are fans of that team. But I've seen how much that's grown NFL experience over there. And I was asking people. So, I, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't think it needs to be the two marquee teams in the league or one of the one of the top five marquee teams in the league. But I don't think it hurt to have that. Baseball clearly had a different strategy than football. And you have to have willing partners, your teams, that are willing to go over there. But I think I think the growth can be immense for baseball. I mean, from this, I think from my experience, I haven't been to an All Star game. I've been to World Series. I've been to Super Bowls. I've seen a lot of big events and how they're built and run. To me, this was a super organized event. I think baseball, MLB did an awesome job. Everything seemed to go very smoothly, at least from our standpoint. And the stadium was beautiful. The attention to detail with the signage and the team had their logos and brand everywhere. I thought it was a beautiful setting. So from my, from my perspective, I think it was done right, and that's the first step in making this a, if not permanent, you know, something with longevity, I yeah. guess I should say. There was, I know, a couple events before the games where the players, the teams interacted with the local community, local fans. What was the player and fan engagement like during the games, before the games, you know, actually at the ballpark? The guys were, we all know the guys tend to sign a lot of autographs before games, um, if you're one of the lucky few, but... The guys seem to be signing more, and they seem to enjoy the fan experience. You heard comments from Aaron Boone and Aaron Judge say how they had to stop in-game a little bit to just take in the atmosphere because I caught myself, too. I, I stopped shooting and looking around. There's there 60,000 people there, and it looked really full. So it felt like a spectacle, and it felt like a big, huge event. So I, I think the guys really took that in. I know Didi and, and Adam Adovino, who are known um, techies, the Instagram they stars both have the cameras, really nice cameras, cameras that we actually use. So before the workout on Friday, we all walked up to the top of the stadium and took photos. And um, so I know, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I know there was a good number of guys that loved the experience that took in how different the atmosphere was. And they owned it. It wasn't like just another game. You hear a lot of athletes say that or coaches. They all said, no, this was different. It felt bigger. It was bigger. It was still business at hand, but Overall, I think the the players were a little more inclined to to interact with the fans, and they were taking it. They were definitely taking it in more than the daily grind of the baseball season. You don't have to tell us we know how busy you guys are when you go on the road and you do these things. Did you get time to enjoy yourself? I mean, did you walk around at all or see anything fun? There wasn't a ton of time for that for us. Players had the whole day off Thursday. We had to film a clinic that we we hosted in um, outside of London. I shouldn't say outside. It was about 30 minutes from the hotel, but you had a, a marquee lineup of alumni that I think kids in the States would pay probably $20,000 for to, to be coached by them. Matsui, Pettit, Mariano, Swisher, Reggie Jackson, A-Rod, you name it. So they picked a local baseball team, ironically named the Mets, um, and, and, they, and they, got, they got coached by these alumni. So when the players, our current players, were doing their sightseeing, we were actually filming those events. 
I did take my three hours of free time Saturday to walk over the Tower Bridge and do a little souvenir shopping for the kids and see a little bit, but I definitely want to go back and on a real vacation and, and get to see a lot more because the city is amazing. It has a lot to offer. So what were the projects that you were actually producing for Yankees productions and things like that? What, what can fans look forward to seeing from this trip? So we knew going in we had to film this this big clinic. It was a really big deal. The local people loved it, and their, our alumni did awesome. We knew that. We knew we were filming the games. And above the, beyond that, we had a general plan of what we wanted to do, but I like to go on these trips and capture footage. And then once you capture all the footage, you've got a better idea of how you want to create content out of that. So what we did, what we were going to deliver is we did a fan piece where we asked locals or tourists, uh, baseball terminology, and the results were were pretty funny, as you can imagine. So that's going to be a piece. We're doing a piece on the clinic. We're doing a piece on the fan experience overall, um, a sights and sounds of the whole weekend. And then in a few weeks' time, we'll put out a whole mini documentary about the whole trip, Mm -hmm. um, trying to cover all the elements because it was – it was that good of a trip where I think it deserves to be covered with numerous angles, and that, that that's our plan. You, you mentioned you know you've done you've you've been lucky enough to do a lot of work with postseason games over the years and postseason runs, and those are situations where the drama takes care of itself. You know, at the end of the day, no matter how historic this was, this was also you know a late June set of games. Did you feel when you were there? that the history was taking care of itself in a sense? Or did you feel like maybe we need to amp up the dramatic music a little bit when we do production here to make people realize how dramatic this is or how important this is, I should say? I I think MLB did a great job to demonstrate how lengthy and intense this rivalry has been over the last hundred so years. So I think that educated even fans that didn't know so much about it. But I think it being June games, games that counted, I think helped a lot. I'm not saying if they did this in March and they were exhibition games, it wouldn't have been a fun and a big deal. But I think it it definitely helped the atmosphere and the and the excitement for it to be Yankees Red Sox in June games that matter. But I, I guess if you turned your camera toward the crowd and to the stadium as a whole, you would see that you were seeing something very different. Do you feel when your camera was pointed at the pitcher's mound or at the batter's box that you were seeing something? special or were you seeing a very cool baseball game once the once the game started it was a baseball game yeah that's it, and, and that's cool too I mean, yeah and, and the guy said it too it was hard for some of the players i asked adam Adovino the same question and aaron hicks actually was it hard to after traveling thursday in the city friday workout and we had a we had a cocktail reception at the tower of london friday night which was really cool then to pull back rein in and then realize okay there's actually work to be done we have to win this game and and kind of not forget where we are for a second, but focus on the game itself. And, and they said it was a challenge. And that's why they, they're athletes. They do this for a living. So they know how to focus when the game starts. But then you heard some guys, like I said, say that they had to stop and just embrace the moment mid-game to understand how cool this actually was. You know, the one thing I want to know is you're speaking so highly of it. And we know that MLB's going back next year. We've seen the NFL go back over and over again. Do you expect that same intensity and appreciation from Londoners to continue as MLB goes forward with this. If you take NFL as an example, it's only grown there since they started in 2007. So I, I think it's I think it's only going to grow there. I think the fans over there are definitely hungry for different sports experiences. So I see it growing and growing. It's always hard to tell and predict crystal ball, but I, I think it, they did such a good job with it and it was such a fun 
weekend that I, I just see it getting better and better. That's awesome. Pete, thanks so much for talking to us about this. Everyone should obviously head to Yankees.com where you can check out all of the Yankees productions, Yankees on demand videos, whether from this trip or obviously we just came off draft day. And of course, we still have three months of baseball left. So always looking forward to see the kind of stories you guys are able to pull out of these things. I like the little competition we can have with you to see who can find uh, the best human interest angles on some of these guys. But thanks so much for coming and talking to us. And uh, hopefully uh, we get to see some cool stuff from you this side of the Atlantic. So. Thanks for having me. Cheers. When we come back, Gary and I will discuss the all-star selections, the guys who are heading to Cleveland, and we'll also talk a little bit about, now that the second half is about to really kick into gear, what kind of things we can expect. So stick around. Hi, this is Gleyber Torres. You are listening to Yankees Magazine Podcast. The Yankees Magazine Podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. And we are back. Welcome back. Gary, that was a pretty fun talk about that London trip. I gotta say, it looked awesome on TV. I don't know, you know, what how it played in the stadium at all times, and I wonder how much of it felt necessarily different from, you know, a normal Yankees Red Sox game, but it was just fun to watch and it was definitely appointment viewing, I felt. Yeah, I mean it definitely had to be a lot more exciting to be there than, you know, if you were watching at home, especially that five-hour game on the first day where I wasn't sure if that was ever going to end. It was a beautiful day here in uh, in Rockland County, New York. So I was just trying to get outside, but I also wanted to see the history and the spectacle that was this series. And, you know, I don't I don't regret it as, as uh, agonizing as that game was at certain points. So obviously, you know, right about the same time that game two was ending, actually a little bit after that, we got word of the Yankees All-Star selections. I think that when we heard about the starters who had been elected and that Gary Sanchez and DJ LeMahieu were elected starters, I, I think we all kind of expected that we'd be seeing four, five, six Yankees even at the All-Star game. I know that I'm pretty sure I speak for everybody when I say I was surprised to see that it was only three, that only Aroldis Chapman joined the group. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of other guys you can make cases for, Luke Voigt being one of them, but he's now going on the IL. Glaber Torres is another but also with the three that are going, you know, Chapman, Sanchez, LeMahieu couldn't be more deserved with the seasons that they're having. I mean, they've been sensational. Sanchez bouncing back from the awful year that he had a season ago. LeMahieu turning into easily the best free agent signing of the offseason by any team. And then Chapman's having a career year. It's just incredible. It really is incredible what they're doing. And you know, the Yankees fans are tough. And I think that Gary Sanchez bore a lot of the weight of some of the expectations he had created for himself in his first few years last year. As I wrote about it, and as we've discussed in this podcast, he also made the choice not to really talk about just how hurt he was when he was going through all those struggles last year. But man, like, he is so good. <laughs> and, 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 and it, you know, it's, it's a very simple comment, but it's just every time he comes up now, you just remember what it was like, you know, those first few months he was in the majors when it was just like every time he touched the ball, it went over the fence. It's the same pace. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it's, very sim- it's a very similar pace, and it's crazy just how good he is 
when he's healthy at the plate. And that's not even getting into how much better he's been behind the plate this year as far as blocking balls and calling games and his defense in general has been. It's, it's, it's been really enjoyable watching that. And, and I look, I, I made the comment I did about, you know, Yankees fans being tough on guys. And I think that's good. And I think it's fine. And, you know, I'm not the type of person who says, you know, oh, you know, this is how we make you tougher. And, you know, you know we're more demanding, blah, blah, blah. I think all that's overrated. But there's definitely some value to uh, seeing what the bottom looks like in a sense, and seeing how hard the climb is back up to the top. Gary Sanchez, people accuse him of being lazy. People accuse him of not caring. And I think a lot of times these are dog whistle comments for, you know, some other things that maybe they shouldn't be saying. It's nice to see what it looks like when it's working. And, you know, for everyone to kind of to eat those words a little bit and how hard this guy worked and how much he put in to be able to get the kind of output he's getting this year. I don't know, John. I think it's kind of weird that we don't see all these hashtag trade Gary Sanchez tweets and that Austin Romine should be starting tweets. Uh, you know, it, it's like all those people with all those opinions are gone. That's yeah, a little like, strange. I don't know happens. why. But, you know, it, it, it's cool and I'm, I'm happy to see it. I, I, I understand that team's success and the number of all-stars, you know, it's not going to be, you know, a one-to-one relationship. And I get that. Doesn't it just tell the story of this Yankees team so much, though, that there are only three all-stars? You know, because... You, you would come into the season and the obvious all-stars, of course, Aaron Judge is going to be an all-star. Giancarlo Stanton's going to be an all-star. I don't think you would have said after last year, Gary Sanchez is going to be an all-star, but you probably would have said, Aroldis Chapman will probably be an all-star, I think. You wouldn't have said DJ LeMahieu would be an all-star. Well, you didn't think DJ LeMahieu was going to have this many at-bats or have played this many games at this point. And, you know, he's hitting a gazillion and with runners in scoring position last time I checked my notes. He's playing multiple positions for this team. I mean, how great is he at the plate have you ever seen a guy so consistent for this long I don't think so I mean and, and I'm not saying that because I'm I'm not making the statement that DJ LeMay he was the most consistent batter there's something about the way that he works in opposition to the way that the lineup as a whole works that makes it stand out so much I mean this is a lineup where you have Gleyber Torres often hitting eighth with the way the ball is flying this year in general, and with the power that the Yankees have, it makes DJ LeMahieu's at-bats extremely noticeable to me in a sense, because you just kind of feel like it's wherever that spot on the field is, that there's an opening, that's where he's going to put it. And he could put it over the fence where there is an opening, but more often it's in that perfectly placed gapper, you know, for another double as part of another three-hit game or something like that. I mean, it's just over and over and over again. And I'm trying to write a story about him right now, and I've never had more trouble avoiding cliche because it feels like everything has been said about this guy it's just it, it's remarkable to me how many times have you heard so-and-so is a professional hitter or that's a professional piece of hitting it, it, that's one of those cliches but i feel like it's the truth every time dj LeMahieu was up it's just a solid smart patient piece of hitting from him every time and that's why we see him come up or come through rather just about every time he's at the plate in a big situation. And again, I know I'm repeating myself here. It's just, look at that lineup right now. LeMahieu, probably your leadoff guy, if not Hicks. Then you're usually talking about Judge. Then, you know, of course, we got Hicks probably there or Sanchez or blah, 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 moving all the way down. This lineup is going to do damage. This is an all-star team lineup that the Yankees have. And I'm sorry, I kind of keep going back to, I can't tell if it's, wrong or completely perfect that the 2019 Yankees who have managed to win with now 22 of their players hitting the injured list at some point during the season or 22 injured list visits at some point the season I should say that the 2019 Yankees are doing this with three all-stars 
I can't decide if that's just voters, players, and the league not paying attention to the team or really recognizing that this is the way the team is, that it's just you can't put the entire team on the All-Star team. Well, I think the surprise comes from there should be more All-Stars than just three on this team, but it's also not the guys you would expect it to be. It's not those household names, the Stantons, the Judges, or you know, even the Severinos of the world, but... You can make a really good case for Gleyber Torres. You can make a really good case for Gio Urshela, who wasn't on the team when the year began. You can make a really good case before he got hurt for Luke Voigt, who this time last year was being blocked from Major League playing time in the St. Louis Cardinals organization. So uh, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the theme of this season. You haven't even mentioned the guy who I think I would have the easiest time making a case for, and that's Adam Adovino. Right, yeah, I mean... What a pickup he's been for the bullpen, and obviously we knew what he was in Colorado and we saw all the highlights and the gifts and pitching ninja and whatnot, but he's been even better this season, which is tough to believe. And I'll recognize that the walks are a problem and that maybe they catch up to him or whatever, but like... It's always been a problem. Exactly. It's just amazing, though, watching him pitch right now. And the Yankees came into the season, you're expecting, like, is this the best Yankees bullpen ever? And, well, we haven't seen Batanzas yet this season. Obviously, Holder isn't what we expected. For the first month, Chad Green certainly wasn't what we expected. So, Britain's been very good. Adovino's been incredible. Chapman has been untouchable. And, again, it's just, like, hard for me to reconcile. Why is Adovino an all-star? I don't really get it think at some point it comes it comes down to that requirement they have to have somebody from every team that you have to you have to fill certain requirements you have to fill certain positions you have to have a certain amount of depth at each spot and yeah you can't take the entire Yankees bullpen it it says something interesting about the 2019 Yankees to look at this all-star team I, I I keep going back to that same point like this was a memorable first half for this team and I think it's a good transition now to talk about you know the second half I think it got underway this weekend, technically, this past weekend, technically. Um, But obviously, you know, we usually look at the All-Star break as when we really start talking about it, and that's next week. The team is mostly coming into the All-Star break looking a lot more whole than it did for most of the first half, but there are still these lingering questions. You know, you're still wondering what and when are we going to see of Luis Severino? When is Giancarlo Stanton going to come back? What is this Luke Voigt injury really going to look like? You know, so I think it's a... On the one hand, it's an exciting time to be looking forward for Yankees fans, and the other, it's just the same questions we've been asking the entire first half. When will Jacoby Ellsbury be back? (laughs) There's another one which I'm not going to (laughs) touch. I think I think we kind of keep falling back on this, and maybe we don't want to. But you know, can you talk about the 2019 Yankees at this point? With the first thing you talk about not being injuries. No, but at the same time, that goes with the guys that are filling in for these injured players. Now, the Cameron Mabins and the Gio Urshelas and the Nestor Cortezes of the world have done not just a decent job or helped that or you know helped tread water while some of these bigger names are absent. I mean, they have really stepped up to the plate, so to speak, and exceeded all expectations. I mean, it's because of these previously no name or lesser name guys that the Yankees are in this position heading into the second half. And that that's part of the story of this season, just as much as the injuries are. Maybe that wouldn't be the case if you're fighting for a wild card or you're sinking in the standings. But this is this is a first place ball club. 
we've been talking about this a little bit at our desks, but you start wondering, you know, are we going to see another Clint Frazier at bat? Are we going to see another Greg Bird at bat? We're a long way off from March now, and that's, you know, we've seen a lot of baseball so far, but just a lot of the same questions we were kind of asking in March, they don't just get resolved just because you play 81 games. Right. And, you know, another thing that's going to have to be addressed it probably is the pitching. Now, that's been really the talk of the last few weeks, even before the Yankees went to London, is are they going to get a starter? Is Scherzer going to be available? Stroman? Baumgartner, what are they going to do? What move are they going to make? And that's kind of gone alongside Severino's timeline and not knowing exactly when he'll be back. And he just had another setback now. So it should be an interesting couple of weeks. And you know, for all the names that they've added to the roster this year, there's still more to come. Absolutely. What a, What's a weird prediction you have for the second half? What is a weird prediction I have for the second half? Hmm. Can I, can I go back to the Jacoby Ellsbury thing? <laughs> um, no, you know, a weird prediction I have is that I don't know if this qualifies as weird, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that Dallin Batanz is going to come back by the end of, let's say, August. He won't give up a run on the season. On the season? On the season. He'll, he'll pitch scoreless baseball from the end of August through the end of the regular season. We have seen Batanz's be dominant, obviously. We have also seen what maybe overly charitably, but maybe not, I'll call Batanza's wearing down late in the season. I'm very curious to see, you know, assuming all goes well and this team makes the postseason, postseason Dylan Batanza's without a full workload behind him. I'm very curious along those same lines with the added factor of, I want to get paid Dylan Batanza's. <laughs> it's fair. Look, it's, it's, a, it's a good motivator. Man, okay, so that that's a good weird prediction. That 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 got weird. <laughs> <laughs> can can I float another one? I, I'm not gonna like stand behind this 100. percent I want to see more what you think of it. Let's say he's still a member of the organization. What do you what do you think of Davey Garcia making a few big starts for the Yankees? Down, I don't see it down the I don't, road. I don't see them starting him. I I would not be terribly surprised in the bullpen to see him in the bullpen come August September. I'd be a little bit surprised. I would. I think what you're going to see is, I think my guess, and it is entirely a guess, is they want to keep him in Double A until the trade deadline. They don't want to expose him to Triple A in the, in the event that he is on the trading block, and I, we don't even know that he is. So I think his real timeline is actually going to start around August first. My expectation is that he is at Triple A on August first, and I think if he handles it there, yeah, I would not be surprised to see him get some innings up here. Always helps to have an arm like that coming out of the bullpen in September. From a, from a very different arm angle than what Yankees uh, yeah. pitchers are used to. <laughs> ask me a leading question. Ask me a over-under question, and I'll give you my weird Over-under question. We have prepared for this so well. I'm real, <laughs> I am just... Haps at 20 home runs from now you're down, right? That sounds right. So who finishes the season with more home runs? Him or Aaron Judge? <laughs> well, okay, so there's a couple of things that we need to put in here as disclaimers. First off, unlike most members of the New York Yankees, Jay Happ has not yet been on the injured list this year. Right. Is that your weird prediction? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, I think you kind of have to assume that everyone is going to want to go with it at least once. I think Aaron Judge is going to hit, let's say he has five or six now. I don't even know. Again, the preparation is just... <laughs> It's, uh, no one's forcing you guys to listen to this. Um, it's Fourth of July weekend. We're just trying to. We're just trying to get out of here. Finish up the work week. Isn't even a little bit embarrassing. I think Judge ends up hitting about twenty-five home runs. So I'm going to say 
Hap has gives up more home runs than Judge has. He's got a he's got a good head start. Yeah, but also like, how excited are you for just like the Aaron Judge ten home run week that you know is coming? Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> as great as this lineup's been without Aaron Judge, with Aaron Judge since he's been back, we haven't even seen the maximum potential where you know just some combination of two or three of Hicks or Stanton or Judge or Sanchez or Voigt or Encarnacion where like they're all clicking at the same time. We haven't seen that yet. Like not from a power surge standpoint. Who do you think has more second half wins? Masahiro Tanaka or Domingo Herman? I'm going to go with Masahiro Tanaka solely because, not solely because, but partly because I, I think you're going to see an innings limit on Herman where, you know, maybe he's not going as deep into games as Tanaka will. Do you think those four weeks that they were able to keep him off are going to protect him from that? I think they'll definitely help, but at the same time, you know, just an injury. He's already had that one injury. You've had this obviously terrible luck with this team in general when it comes to the injury bug. So I think you still stay cautious with Herman, and more than anything, you want to make sure he's ready to go in the postseason because right now you probably want him starting game one or no later than game two of a series. Yankees finished the season six games above second place in the AL East. Yes or no? Yes. Who's that second place team? The Rays. So the the Red Sox don't get a run going? Are they going to get an entire new bullpen and add two starting pitchers? I guess it's possible. Apparently, <laughs> did you see that uh, they're saying now Evaldi might close? Right. So they had this brilliant idea to, well, first of all, they won the World Series. Great for the Red Sox. That um, was great for the Red Sox. Great for the Red Sox. Um, they win the World Series, and then they make they go with the bold distract, bold strategy to not retain any of their best pieces, aside from Nathan Evaldi, who is huge injury risk, not to add any significant upgrades whatsoever throughout the roster. Now they're not doing so well. Funny how that worked while like all their other big competitors around them improved drastically. Yeah. It was basically like they said, you know, we got one ring. That's it. We're good. We don't need another. It's fine. Usually after you win a World Series, you try to you try to upgrade. Yeah. And, Is that right? And, and repeat. <laughs> like, usually that's what you do. Obviously, you are not a Marlins fan. It's true. True. Very true. <laughs> so you're saying more than six games over the Rays. Do the Red Sox make a wild card? No. No. Do, they, do they get a whole new bullpen and two more <laughs> starting pitchers? <laughs> okay. You're, you're very consistent in this. Interesting. Do the Yankees break their 2018 record for home runs? What are they at now? They're at the pace, basically. I think they're above the pace. And they've been doing that without a lot of heavy hitters. I think they're above, I'm pretty sure they're above the pace, but in like fifth place in the league, hilariously. They'll break their record, but that doesn't necessarily mean they set the new one. Right, for sure. But do they break last year's record? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Do you think the 2020 Yankees break the 2019 Yankees? Record? I do. <laughs> the game seems to be going that way. I love the optimism. But then by 2021, we're back to all contact hitters. Like Aaron Judge will lead the league with like 21 home runs in 2021. Wow. Yeah. We're, we're, the, the curve resets itself. You know that we save these tapes, right? <laughs> okay. Um, does Greg Bird get another at bat? I don't know. That's a tough one. Like, I really don't know. That one bums me out. Yeah. You, know, you, you hate to see a guy go through 
injuries like that so many times over and over and over again. Um, but I, I think part of it depends on how long Voight's really going to be out. And, you know, as we head into the Mets series, they're saying the hope is that he'll be back a week after the All-Star break. So that doesn't really give Bird a ton of time to get going on his own rehab, you know. I mean, I guess as a September call-up, it's always possible. Other than that, I don't see how he works his way onto the roster unless there's a bunch of other setbacks. All right, last one for you. Is there a champagne celebration after the World Series in the Yankees clubhouse at Yankee Stadium? Wow, putting me on the spot right now. I haven't even seen what, they, what they're what they going to do at the deadline. Yes, I am putting you at the spot. We can see you later what they do after the deadline. All right, so with that caveat and my own caveat that they add a top-of-the-rotation starting pitcher, I'm going to say yes. There it is. Plan, plan for the parade now, says Gary Phillips. <laughs> I, I don't know why John has decided to put all these, you know, <laughs> heavy questions on me. You know, if I'm wrong, you know what? We, it, it's Jay Schwartz at Yankees.com. <laughs> awesome. It's actually not, but I appreciate that. <laughs> that's what mine is. <laughs> that's actually that's not what yours is. <laughs> this is horrible. This is the worst content <laughs> I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Everyone, go go to a barbecue. Please stop listening to this. <laughs> Um, if when you, does this come out? This, this comes out at some point before July 4th. Before if by July. some chance you have enjoyed listening to this episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast, we do hope that you will subscribe by going to yankees.com slash podcast. If you did not enjoy listening to this episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast, we understand I, why. I really hope you know that this is not what it's usually like and that you'll go to yankees.com slash podcast and subscribe. Please go to yankees.com slash magazine to read our long form content. We have some pretty cool stories coming up from our July issue. We have my cover story with Didi Gregorius. We have a story from Gary that just went up about Masir Tanaka. So. About him not being perfect, and that went up the day before that uh, that not-so-perfect London Decidedly start. Decidedly imperfect start in London. So it seems that uh, Masir Tanaka's start was a real good precursor for this podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine, and write to us, letters at yankees.com or podcast at yankees.com. Tell us what you think. Tell us. You know, maybe tighten it up a little bit for the next episode. We agree with you. We'll, we'll, we'll be better. But absolutely have a great 4th of July. Have a great All-Star break. We will speak to you in two weeks, and uh, we'll be well into the second half. So in the meantime, be safe with the fireworks. Don't do anything stupid, and enjoy yourself. Have a good one. Bye. Hi, this is Adam Adovino. For more stories like these, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com backslash ballpark app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 